This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Ben stays with the gun. Two yards away from a leapfrog score. He gets it. He looks. He pumps. He throws it for the end zone. Intercepted in the end zone. Oh, it's intercepted. Marker down. Marker down. That was pass interference. It's Ben, man. You can't say enough about Ben. I don't think that's a surprise. It's just so much fun playing with him. Been lucky to be uh, able to catch him in part of his career and get a chance to block for him. So everyone, like I said, everyone stuck together. We all took our turns, having some bad plays. But at the end of the day, we, we made enough to win. Well, they got a second chance at it. And, of course, they did score a touchdown as Ben barely got in for the game-winning touchdown with five seconds remaining. Here's the question. I asked this question to Mike Tomlin today at the press conference, which concluded about 35 minutes ago. If Ben doesn't get in, the Steelers had a timeout. Of course, the review would have been taken naturally. The league does that, as you know, inside two minutes, and any scoring play is automatically reviewed. So one way or the other, the Steelers would have had an opportunity to take a shot with five seconds remaining. They didn't use that final timeout. They didn't have to, but it was there. And the question is, would Mike Tomlin have gone for the touchdown, fourth down, inside the one-yard line, go for the win, or take the three, shorter and easier than an extra point, and go to overtime because they had the momentum. You never know, but they had totally shut down the Jacksonville offense in the second half. Of course, Ben was in, so we'll never know. But I have to believe that Tomlin goes for the touchdown. Yeah, Again, I asked him that question, but the previous question before my question, which prompted me to ask it, he talked about, I played a win. We've seen that many times before. I'm thinking about that game against the San Diego Chargers. Yes, they were still in San Diego then. Remember a couple, three years ago, 2014, I believe, when they're at the goal line, And they go for the touchdown, and Le'Veon Bell, after some struggle, gets in. They could have kicked the field goal and gotten the tie, go to overtime. Jacksonville hadn't done a thing offensively the entire second half, basically. And the Steelers finally found their mojo. I still think that Tomlin goes for the touchdown. One caveat would be, If Ben had lost yardage on that play, the play on which he scored, I think that is a different dynamic. If he he gets, let's say, thrown for a loss of a couple, three yards, now you got time for one play, and it's four or five yards away, three, four yards away instead of a foot, I think maybe then he kicks the field goal. But if Ben had not made it in, He would have been, what, six inches from the goal line? I don't know what they would have called, but I think he goes for it. 
In fact, I'm sure of it. I, I just, I mean, we've seen him coach now 12 seasons. I think he would have gone for it. There are going to be games like they had against Jacksonville. There may be more of those. And we've seen on many, many occasions throughout the years when they have had, and this goes for the Bill Cowher era too, I remember some games they play. It's bound to happen. It's going to happen. The question is, when you're not having your best game, are you able to find a way? Are you able to grind it out? It's not our best day. Things aren't working. Are you able to find a way? In the past, largely, they haven't been able to. Bad day at the office, take the loss, and hope next week is better. There's not much in that game except for some individual plays and some good defense that they would put on their resume tape. But they got out of it with the win. And that tells me that they're a more mature football team. And as I said yesterday, I'm not talking about off-the-field stuff. I'm not talking about posting on Facebook Live. And I'm not talking about some of the other antics that we've witnessed. I'm talking about the more mature approach of a football team which not only comes from the coaching staff, but also from internal leadership, which I have questioned at times, that there are going to be days things don't go as well as you'd like. That still doesn't mean you focus as best you can and try to put out the best product you can. I'm sure you have days at work, man, this isn't going well. But, you know, it's 11 o'clock in the morning, you've been at work for two, three hours, say, oh, this is a disaster. I'll just have to write out the disaster and suffer the consequences. Uh, I can tell you that about doing shows. You start out and you say, something's off today. I don't have it today. But you keep grinding through and hope that you'll be better the next day. You don't throw it in and say, well, I stink today, so I've stunk for the first half hour of the show, so the rest of it's going to be a disaster too. No, you pull yourself out of it. And in a larger context, in looking at a season, the difference between going a 12-4 or a 10-6 or a 13-3 and and 11-5, whatever it is, is you're going to have your great days and you're going to have awful days. You're going to lose some games. There probably aren't going to be any undefeated teams. But if you can take those games where you're not at your absolute best and somehow manage to turn them into wins, that's how you stockpile victories, compile a good record, and get the best possible situation for yourself in the playoffs. That's how you do it. It's not by saying, oh, we got a huge game against Carolina. We got one with New England coming up. Yeah, you have to get up for that. You'll win some of those, hopefully more than you lose. But it's those building block games. In the context of a 16-game season, that's how you build your record and your resume. And I just get the sense by sort of grinding one out 
That's what they're in the process of doing. They're going to be, look, they're not going to go undefeated the rest of the way. And they're not going to be able to grind out wins when they play poorly against a good opponent. But when you're in the process of grinding it out, if you can manage to somehow get through that, that's what the championship teams do. Now, I'm not declaring they're going to be a championship team, but I think that they're showing more of the characteristics of that than we've seen in the past. Now, as far as going for the win or the tie in Jacksonville, again, unless Ben lost yardage on that play, I firmly believe, based on past history, that Tomlin goes for the touchdown. I don't leave there any question about it. Nick disagrees with me. He says he would have gone for the tie. Team is more mature. To the second point we're talking about, without Bell and Bryant. That could be. But again, I'm not talking about the individual antics of players. I'm just talking about an overall mental attitude. A lot of you are commenting on whether or not the Kansas City Rams game last night was real football. We're going to get to that at 140 today. The Mojinator says, I believe he would have gone for the tie, kicked the field goal, and then gone in overtime. It really was a no-lose situation. I mean, you can always, you know, lose in overtime, but they did have all the momentum. They had shut him down, I still think. And, again, we're talking about a foot now, right? If Ben doesn't get in, I mean, he came in that close, maybe less than a foot. Brian agrees with me. He said, I think he goes for the win. The Steelers had them on their heels at that point, and I don't believe there's any way he sells for three. That's my thought, too. I think that's exactly what he would have done. And we'll have time to talk about this tomorrow. But this Denver game, it's hard to figure them. They don't do much offensively. And despite, if you heard the press conference, Mike Tomlin's um, profuse endorsement of Case Keenum and how smart he is, well, I don't know that Einstein would be a good quarterback. I I realize that's an element of being a good quarterback, but they don't do much offensively, but they can create issues defensively. They've played a really difficult schedule. I mean, in addition to the Chiefs and the Chargers, which is becoming a really strong division, they played the Rams, they played Houston, and they held every single one of those teams under 30 points. This past week, Denver won the game on a last-second field goal against the Chargers. They held them to what, 21? So the defense is legit. Von Miller is certainly legit. And I don't know this qualifies in the same category as the Denver game. Does the same thing apply? The Steelers have to go in and say, we're probably not going to be lighting it up and score 50 points like we did against Carolina. We're going to have to dig in. The one hope you have there is that the Steelers' defense has been playing better, getting incrementally better, 
and that can keep you in the game. And if it becomes that kind of game, the Steelers have shown now that they can win that kind of game. That's a thing. We'll get to last night's Kansas City Rams game. But I still wonder. Yeah, I know last night's game was close, but it was 54-51. If the Chiefs' offense is stymied and they're held to, maybe this will never happen, 17, 20 points, can they win 23-20? to That defense is awfully bad, Kansas City. Been bad. A little surprised the Rams weren't better defensively. Steve tweets, at Stan Love the Show. I have a question. Since there was a TD review on that Ben Rothberger play, wouldn't there have been a 10-second runoff if Ben did not make it in? Or could we just use the timeout? If so, I guess it's good that Coach Tomlin didn't use all the timeouts. No, you can use your timeout. You can use your timeout. That's why having that timeout was so valuable. Let's say, for example, that there's no review. Let's let's say that it's clear that Ben is, is stopped for a no gain or one-yard loss. They would have used the timeout. So, yes, they could have used the timeout. They would not, it would not have been the end of the game one way or the other. They had that option. That's why they didn't use the timeout. Also, by the way, I think it's a valid point to suggest that because the Steelers knew they had one timeout remaining, that changes the play calls that you make before that. If you don't, <clears throat> I mean, if you don't have any timeouts, you pretty much have to pass the ball in the end zone, right? <clears throat> the, I realize there are a lot of options that Ben had on that play, the first being a shovel pass, but if you know that I do not have a timeout, You've got to score on that play or throw the ball to get an incompletion if nothing's open. So thanks for the question, Steve. That's exactly why that last timeout ended up being rather significant. We're going to talk about that KC-LA Rams game. But next, Aditi Kinkabwala, one of our favorite guests. She covers the Steelers and the AFC North for the NFL Network. She was in Jacksonville. We'll get her thoughts on that game and the Steelers in general. That's next on Saverin on Sports, broadcasting from the Steelers facility on the south side on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Eight seconds to go. Steelers down by three. Ben gets the snap, rolls right, he looks, he runs, he dives, he's in, he's in, he's in, he's, in. Oh! he's got a touchdown, Ben has a touchdown, rolling right, what a play call at the goal line. It's the trust that starts with seven, um, and then the ball's in his hands, I think we always have a chance. Uh, our defense played unbelievable to keep the game, you know, very close considering the amount of uh, yards and time position we had in the first half, and so, man, it's a huge shout out to the defense, but... When the game's on the line and we have seven in our offensive line, man, we can get it anything. And so um, it's crazy. We waited way too late to do it, but we got it done. That's tight end Vance McDonald. It doesn't hurt the Steelers' cause when they have 89 in the lineup. And people overlook his touchdown catch, which came at 228. Uh, they have to expend more plays. They lose more time. Maybe have to waste a timeout uh, in that time. 
that was a very valuable play as well. We're joined now by one of our favorite guests around here, Aditi Kinkawala of the NFL Network. She was in Jacksonville covering that game. Hello, Aditi. Happy Thanksgiving. Hello, and happy early Thanksgiving to you, too, Stan. Thank you very much. I wanted to ask you, Aditi, you're around the Steelers a great deal. Uh, and I wondered, you know, being there Sunday, did you get the sense that even though this clearly wasn't their best game, that it was a very satisfying game to them to win because of the difficulty they had uh, in accomplishing that feat? I mean, 100%. In fact, T.J. Watt, isn't that a funny statement? I just said, I think 100%. So maybe I should say, <laughs> I know that is the case. In fact, afterwards, T.J. Watt said to me, if we can win a game like this, we can do a lot of things. And what he meant by that was that the Jaguars ran all over the Steelers. They had to make quite a few adjustments or clean up a few things. The offense clearly could not get anything done until there were 17 minutes left in the game, and yet they were never out of the game. The defense was able to keep the Jags to field goals instead of touchdowns, which is a big deal in this offense when it absolutely needed to turn it on, somehow figured out how to turn it on. So I definitely think there's a statement in that. Of course, there's also a statement that against the Kansas City Chiefs, you can't have a game like this, or the L.A. Rams if you are in the Super Bowl against them. We certainly saw that yesterday. Uh, Without question. uh, You're going to have games when you don't play well, uh, but those are the record-building games. If you want to go 12-4, and 13-3, and three, get a bye, home field advantage, yeah, if you play like that against one of the best teams, you're not going to win. But it's the grind-em-out games against teams at a lesser level that you know there are going to be games where you're not going to play well, but somehow you've got to manage to win those games to build your resume, if you will, to pad your record. And I don't know, Aditi, I think that kind of provides a cushion for a game like this week in Denver, or certainly the games against New Orleans, New England, and and, and the Chargers, because they're not going to win all three of those games. It, it's, it doesn't seem likely, but you don't necessarily know. And I think a game like this gives you a lot of confidence. You don't have everything, but when you absolutely need to gut it out, and a lot of it has to do, you can, a, and B, I think a lot of it has to do with a mindset as well, Stan, that this is a team that really, it's easy to say, okay, we never give up. Okay, we're always in a game. But you know what? Now you have evidence. Here's some evidence that, yes, you are always in a game. Yes, you always have a chance. Yes, until it's the bottom of the ninth inning and you have your last at bat, you will always have a chance. And it's a nice thing to be able to say. It's a much nicer thing to have evidence of that. No question. And matter of fact, on the postgame show uh, with Charlie Batch, I mentioned asking Mike Tomlin this a number of years back. Uh, the Steelers and Bennett executed a big comeback. I don't remember against whom uh, at Heinz Field. Um, and Ben engineered a comeback, and they won the game when they were behind. And I said, in the future, if you are put in that position again, Will this serve as a reminder or a confidence booster that, hey, we've done this, we can do it again? And he said, absolutely. Well, 100%, yes. I mean, football is a game of momentum. So that definitely accounts for one thing, for sure. You know, it's interesting because last year, recall, the Steelers played, what was that, four consecutive games or five consecutive games where they need, I believe it was four. Four. Four consecutive games where they needed a last-second field goal to win the game. 
And it just felt like, my goodness, the Steelers aren't blowing anybody out. The Patriots blow people out. The Steelers just, you know, they go after the Colts, who at the time were quite a sorry team, and they struggle. And they're facing the Packers without Aaron Rodgers at home on Sunday night, and they struggle, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, this year, if you look at the previous five games in this six-game win streak, three of them were won pretty convincingly. They were blowouts. Two were won fairly handily. So you need to be able to win that's what you need to do. You need to be able to win a close game when you're not at your best. You need to be able to blow out somebody every so often as well. And so we're certainly seeing a better rounded team. And I also think I cannot, cannot minimize, and I don't know if y'all talked about this, Stan, afterwards. I, of course, was racing to the airport in Jacksonville, so I did not hear. But I thought it was significant that after that Vance McDonald touchdown, with two minutes left, Mike Tomlin kick the ball and let his defense get on the field, that he trusted his defense. Because as you surely recall, last year, that wasn't the case. Last year, the Steelers pulled within three, and he went for the onside kick. He was unsuccessful, and afterwards, when and the Jaguars won by three. And when he was asked about it, he said he didn't trust his defense. And this time, he said, all right, we're going to kick off, and I'm going to send my defense out there against that Jaguars offense. And the Jaguars ran the ball three times, and the Steelers, they stuffed all three runs. They got the ball back, and we know how the game ended. I thought that well, was pretty significant. I, I totally agree. Uh, it also played into his decision to not use his first time out before the two-minute warning. He was asked about that today. He was asked after the game, as you know. But at the press conference today, he was asked, and he said, because I knew they would run the ball. Um, I knew that they were not going to trust Blake Bortles to throw, and I wanted to have one timeout remaining for Ben Roethlisberger in case I needed it. Uh, it turned out he didn't, but if Ben doesn't make it in, they still had the timeout in their hip pocket to either, you know, stop the clock, kick a field goal, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, and, and again, it's the same thing played in. Uh, when he uh, it was fourth and uh, less than a yard, he took a holding penalty because he had no, frankly, no respect for Jacksonville's passing game and believe his defense would stop them. Uh, that's all fair. You know, the thing about Mike Tomlin is uh, as much as he has over the years given me a hard time about asking questions about feelings and emotions, <laughs> he's not a guy that coaches by the chart. And what I mean that by that is that the analytics, the chart. They might tell you certain things, but he's definitely a guy. And, Stan, you've known him a lot longer than I am. My, I have. My feeling is that in certain moments he goes with his gut. Is that fair? Yeah, very fair. It's also very accurate. So then, you know, he gives me a hard time about it, but I do think that he's a coach that is like that. And the charts may have said, you need to do this with your timeouts. And the analytics and all the numbers and the stats may have said this, but... While he may take that in and he may consider it, he makes a decision that feels right to him a lot of the time. And so there's not necessarily a clean answer for that. And, you know, he's a guy that's been in that position for a long time because most of the time he doesn't have to second-guess it. Well, I think you've made an excellent point in deciding last year to go for the onside kick and not doing it. By that I mean he makes his decision based on what he sees at the moment. Um, but, again, it's it's not a cut and dry. I'm going to go for two points here. I'm not going to go for it. Last year, he didn't trust his defense, and I've seen him do that before. Fans remember another game um, at Heinz Field where he tried not. It was a game against Dallas, as I recall, 
<laughs> you know, we can't stop anybody, so I'm, I'm going to try to get the ball back. Right. But on Sunday in Jacksonville is an entirely different story, which leads me to the question I've been asking our listeners today, and I believe this, and I asked them this question at the press conference, and I got um, uh, you know, a non-answer. But um, if Ben Soccer. doesn't... Huh? I said shocker. Yeah, shocker, right. Um, he did answer it, but not with an answer, if, if you know what I mean. I asked him the question, if Ben doesn't get in, would you have gone for the win from a foot out, or would you kick the field goal and then gone to overtime? And he said, he laughed, and he said, we'll never know. But based on his personality, I'll put the same question to you. I think he would have gone for it there. But I don't know. I really don't. I think that, you know, it's kind of the same way. Riverboat Ron Rivera, right, in Detroit, going for two. Would you have necessarily seen that? I don't know. I think that it's kind of at the moment what's going on. There was a little bit of, I think they felt very confident. I think they felt a little bit in, I think they felt good from a half yard out. And as much as James Conner dropped those two balls, which is very uncharacteristic, from a half yard out, I think you can run James Conner. But by the same token, what's in his head at that moment? Is he thinking about when they had a third and one and they ran the quarterback sneak and was it a loss for two? Is that earlier in the game when that happened? I don't, you know, football is such a game of momentum. It's where you are at that moment. I mean, let's talk about last year in the playoff game. I thought it was an absolute mistake to kick the ball onside. I felt that, yes, the defense hadn't been particularly successful, but in the immediate run-up to that drive, the defense had gotten a couple stops. You had to give them a chance there. And the onside kick wasn't anything that they had successfully executed with any sort of uh, success, quite frankly, with any sort of trend. I I thought that that was a crazy decision. And this time around, I was standing on the field, and I said to my field producer, I said, oh, my God, I really hope he does an onside kick. You really shouldn't do that. And I saw that team run out, and I was looking, is that the hands team? What is he doing? Oh, my goodness. And... You know, but again, it's it's what is in your gut at that moment. What are you feeling? And you can always say this. He's definitely plugged into his sideline, definitely plugged into where his team is. So I don't know. It is a moot point. And, and it's also hard to say now, this much time later, what he would have done in that very moment. There was a lot going on on the sideline at that point. Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown had come running off and was having some sort of a conversation. Ben Roethlisberger was talking with Randy Feekner. There was some confusion about the flag in the back of the end zone. There, there was a lot going on. Uh, Ryan Spitzer was so jacked up about that flag. There's so many pieces at play. And at the end of the day, a head coach is managing all that emotion, all those personalities. It's, it's not – I mean – it's not just a feat of engineering. There, there's a lot going on there. I don't know. I don't know. It's funny, Stan, because we all think that we can coach. We all think that we can write about sports. We all think we can talk about sports. And we all think that we can make better decisions than the coaches and the coordinators. And after this story this week about whether the Browns were interested in talking to Condoleezza Rice or That's not, right. <laughs> <laughs> there's, been a little, there's been a little discussion. I think it was... Uh, Colin Dunlap, who said, having said that, what woman would you like to see coach the Pittsburgh Steelers? And quite a few people on Twitter said my name, and I, <laughs> I want no part of that whatsoever, ever. And I made a joke. I said, my husband yells at me enough. I don't need him yelling at me on Sunday as well <laughs> about uh, the decisions that I make. <laughs> or, three, uh, or two and a half million other people across the country. Uh, right, right. Yeah. No, but uh, you know what? There's so much more that goes. It's so easy for us. 
on the outside to question a head coach. I mean, I just did it to you, Stan. 90 seconds ago, I said I thought it was crazy that he went for an onside kick last year. It's almost like your job is to be, prof- to be constantly doubted. Your job is to be doubted by the masses who know or don't know anything about your job, really. It's the same way for us in the media to some degree, although the scrutiny, I would hope, is a little bit less. It is, but but I've learned uh, one of the things that I've learned that everybody listening to us now, everybody, believes that they can do our jobs better than we do. Oh, 100%. Uh, Because (laughs) they're sports fans, Right? right, and they follow sports, and they know something about sports, um, and uh, they they either would like to do the job, or they certainly think they can do it better than we do. That's that's just a fact. I used to say this all the time when I was young and single, and I'd go out to a bar. If I were a rocket scientist, nobody would try to tell me I was wrong. But I would literally go out and say, "Yes, I'm a newspaper writer. Yes, I do cover the Yankees a fair amount." People would argue with me. I remember there was one Yankee who was not a particularly fabulous human being, yet (laughs) many, many people really enjoyed him and would say, oh, I love this guy. Well, you know, he's not the best person to deal with, or, well, this is what he surrounds himself with. No, 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 but I love him. No, 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 but he's great. No, 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 but you're wrong. So wait a minute. I'm in the clubhouse with him on a daily basis. You've never even met him, but I'm wrong. Would you ever tell a rocket scientist that? Would you ever tell a rocket scientist, no, 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 you're wrong about your science? Would you tell a doctor, no, 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 you're wrong about what you're saying in regards to the human anatomy? You'd never do that. But when it's a sports writer or a, uh, a sports personality on the radio or a sports reporter on the radio, of course, all the time, all the time. Well, don't ever question Josh, Josh Dobbs because he is a rocket <laughs> scientist. Um, you can only question him on football matters. Um, he, you know what? He is such a pleasure. He is one of the best parts of this job, or he is a, an example of one of the best parts of this job, and that is meeting some really cool people. Well, it's uh, you're a very cool person yourself. Uh, you do a great you do a great job. That was just that was that was much more than a, than an un, uh, uncomfortable and awkward segue. Uh, I meant every <laughs> I meant every word of it. Uh, uh, it's always a delight to have you on. I want I, I, one quick question. I know you're you're dealing with the Ravens this week. Before we let you go, um, I, I'm wondering um, have we seen the last, barring an injury, of Joe Flacco? Oh, you know, I was just talking about that this morning. You know what? The Ravens are very fortunate that the injury is this week such that they don't have to make that decision. It's essentially a moot point. But what do you do if Lamar Jackson wins the second game this week against the Raiders, which is very, very likely? What do you do at that point? Now you're, what, you're 6-5, and 7-5? and five. You're very much in the playoff picture. It is very likely that this is the end of the run for John Harbaugh there, mutually, that both sides are tending to agree, okay, it might be time for a fresh face. You know, John Harbaugh is an excellent coach. He'll have no trouble finding another job. But after 11 years, it may be time for a break. So then why not go out with this guy? I mean, at this point, you know exactly what Joe Flacco gives you. You know what he's given you over the last five years. You know what he's given you over the last five weeks. And if this kid, if Lamar Jackson creates this much energy and this much excitement and he's showing some progress, I don't know, is this like an Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick situation? 
And well, does what Lamar Jackson do? Sorry, I, I'm going to go one last thing. Does what Lamar Jackson does? This is not going to be a good, a good clean sentence. So I hope this is never transcribed. But is the way that he plays in and of itself right now a challenge for defensive coordinators? Just because of the unexpected, there's no tape on him. They don't really know what's going on. You saw that with the Bengals last week. Marvin Lewis took out, fired his defensive coordinator, took over the defense, brought in Hugh Jackson as a defensive consultant, and they ran all over them. That first drive, 11 straight plays, 11 straight runs, and there's a touchdown. Well, I really think that the Ravens uh, are a team in transition. Um, if you look at you know the, the, some of the youth, uh, the, the old guard is gone. I mean, Sugg's not going to be there forever. Um, maybe this is the time, and maybe they can accomplish uh, the mission uh, both, make the transition but still make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're going to win the division, but you know the way things are shaking out, they still have that opportunity. Um, maybe right. this is the time. And maybe you want to see what you have in someone that you drafted to be your future franchise quarterback. Exactly. A lot of money invested in Joe Flacco, but that was going to be coming to an end shortly or they wouldn't have drafted right. Lamar Jackson, you know, trading back in to the round to get him. Aditi, thank you so much. Enjoy your thank week you in Baltimore. Um, thank you. You have a happy, happy Thanksgiving, Stan. You too. I hope you'll be able to spend it with your family, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the next Steeler home game. Next week, for sure. Okay. Great, Aditi. Right, thank you. Take you. Care. you too. Bye. Bye. That is Aditi Kinkabwala. Porter. She'd be becoming a rising star. Um, I would not at all be, not that there's anything wrong with the NFL Network, um, but I, I uh, have a feeling that it won't be long before she's on, you know, one of the major networks. Um, entirely possible. Entirely possible. All right, last night's game. <laughs> um, I, I have to, I, I'm honest uh, <clears throat> about this. I mean, I, I had to watch the Penguin game, which was not terribly pleasant because, as many of you know, I do a daily Penguins report uh, on this station and the flagship station, the X. So, I mean, I had to watch that, but I, I was flipping back and forth um, in between Buffalo goals um, and, and watching Kansas City. Uh, did you enjoy it? Did you like it? Those are two different questions. You can enjoy something but not like it. 54 to 51, 105 points. Is that real football to you? Or is that like any Saturday in the Big 12? We'll talk about that next. We'll have this date in sports history and birthdays. That's ahead. Saverin on Sports ESPN, Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Watch those feet. Great balance by Gerald Everett. One of the most, you know, competitive games I've been a part of since I've been coaching in this league. You know, you talk about back and forth and a lot of points, but I thought it was really just a, a competitive game with a lot of high-caliber football. Sean McVay, the head coach of the victorious Los Angeles Rams. They're 10 and 1. The Chiefs are now 9 and 2, which kind of puts the Steelers in the mix there. They lost the game. They're gonna. They, they have to finish ahead of them, right? They have to finish a half game ahead. The tie might help them in that regard, but obviously they won't finish tied. 
unless the Chiefs have a tie somewhere along the line. That tie might come back to help them, but uh, obviously they can't, uh, they can't finish uh, with the same record, although that now has become very unlikely. Uh, I, the game was entertaining. I'm going to use that word. I mean, there's no question that it was entertaining. Uh, was it a good game? I look at it this way. I mean, I, I watch enough football. I can tell the difference between good offense and awful defense. And I thought last night there were elements of both, one of the rare occasions. I mean, there, you know, the defense did make some plays and strip Aaron Donald and interception, uh, whatever. But I don't even know how many punts there were in the game. Not that that makes it a good game. But there were no answers from either defense. I think the moderate way to look at it, and this is from Pittsburgh Slim, he tweets me and he says, as long as we still have games like the Steelers versus Jacksonville, we have room for L.A. versus Campbell, uh, Kansas City. And I think that's a balanced approach to it. Now, Magnus doesn't feel that way. He tweets, if someone came out of a time machine from the 1980s or 90s, and this is the first game they saw, they would be angry at the NFL and ask, why is the league so invested in destroying defensive football? I would sympathize with their anger. I mean, I think the rules are a factor, but I don't think that's the major factor. Otherwise, every team would be able to do that. Kansas City's defense is terrible. The Rams, I thought, was better, despite all the points they give up to New Orleans. The point is, if you've got a great, not every offense can do that. If you've got a great offense, the rules then allow you to do that against what's supposed to be a pretty decent defense, which we expect what the Rams have. The Chiefs do not. They've not exhibited that, really, at any point. I would not like a steady diet of that. Let me put it that way. That's not what I would like to see every week. And I'll say this, in watching that game last night, it was kind of disappointing. Ron doesn't like it. He said the NFL is turning into arena football. Let's go to Rich in Oakland. Hi, Rich. Welcome to Savern on Sports. Hey, Stan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, good. All right. I, I agree. The game was very entertaining. But uh, I would say the Stiller game was a much better game than, than to watch than, than the game last night. Very entertaining, though. But I, I must say this, though. To all the guys that, that, that say it was just all offense and all of that, if without the defensive plays that were made in that game, the Chiefs win that game. If I do the math right, 44 to, to, to 40. So the defense absolutely made a difference in that game, in the outcome of the game. L.A. scored two touchdowns on defense. Uh, Kansas City scored one. So they, 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 that was the difference right there. If you take away those scores, the score, the outcome is 44 to 40. That's all I got to say, Stan. A real pitcher's duel. Uh, <laughs> 44 to 40. Now we're talking defensive football. Um, I realize the defense made some play, but you know you're slinging it up there a hundred times. Uh, there's bound to be a, a play made. That, that that's not the, the defense did make some plays, but that's not to say that good defense was played. I mean, I, I realize that there's a fine line there, as someone once said. Um, again, uh, it was entertaining. I, I mean, I'll give it that. It was entertaining. 